here, 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 here we are podcasting. Uh, mm. w- w- welcome to, well, there's your problem. It's a podcast about engineering disasters. With slides. And it has slides. Mm, yes. that's right. I ruined the joke. Uh, <laughs> I'm, Justin, I'm Justin Rosniak. I'm the person who's talking right now. My pronouns are he and him. Okay, I, go. I like the little abbreviated thing, my pronouns. Uh, I am Alice Caldwell <laughs> Kelly. Uh, I am the person who's talking now. My pronouns, she and her. Uh, Liam Anderson, pronouns he, him. Uh, yeah, I am the person who's probably yelling at you on Twitter uh, from the podcast account. Sometimes when Roz and I get drunk, it's both of us. Yes. And then you guys mm. have to play the detective game of which one of us is drunk tweeting. I always like it when I'm not drunk tweeting, but Roz is. And people are just like, uh, Liam's at the controls again. And I'm like, ah, uh, no. I see you're not a discerning listener because Roz <laughs> is using punctuation. <laughs> and he's not tweeting in all caps at the Eagles. Yes. Mm. We have a guest. We have a guest. guest. Why are you here, Milo? Hello. <laughs> Hello, it's me. It's me, Milo. It's, um, uh, my my pronouns are on Yevor because I am the fucking Russia understander. Yes, <laughs> right. We have we have Milo yeah. here for being the only uh Westerner to ever go to Russia and and learn about mm. its culture. Yeah, only person um, to speak the language right. and I include yes. every Russian in that. You, your dad has <laughs> a right. has a bachelor's degree in Russian, Roz. That that is true. Yes, I also took several uh yeah. semesters of Russian and then I forgot it all. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but that's that both of you are like western liberal academics. You don't understand yes, I, like the soul of Russia like Milo does. I would say the majority of people I know who have a bachelor's degree in Russian cannot speak it. Who, what, where? I, I couldn't. You, I got, couldn't you gotta go one at a time. Yeah, sorry. you gotta go sorry one at a time. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, it's just lag. I think. Um, I was gonna say the majority of people I know have bachelor's degrees in Russian cannot, in fact, speak it. So this sort of makes sense. That that, mm. that sounds about right. <laughs> okay. Do I have the talking hat? <laughs> You have the talking hat. Right. Go ahead. You yeah, have the clunch. Uh, I was gonna say, uh, uh, actually, when I was in band in high school, because I was in band in high school, uh, no. we would have political debates, and we had to have a ball, and you weren't allowed to talk unless you had the talking ball. So it was just a bunch of teenagers who all thought they knew how the world worked, like a screaming at each other about libertarianism, b fighting over a ball. Um, <laughs> do you kids want to be like the real UN, or do you just want to squabble and waste time? <laughs> <laughs> but I repeat myself. Uh, the other thing I was gonna say is that someone got mad at us for making fun of Slavs in the last episode. Yeah, we, because of our racism against yeah, well, Slavs. Apparently, and uh, us we're doing cultural imperialism. Uh, uh, via mm. blackface. I forget what we were doing there. I just Slav wanted face. to congratulate that one commenter who made that video our most common video. Yeah, it's like a posting through it for like several. <laughs> Hours. All you gotta do, all you gotta do, is get really in your feelings about me and what I do to this podcast. Mm-hmm. And you too can mm-hmm. have Which a, is like several day long YouTube comment experience. <laughs> yeah, the most offensive thing you can do to Slavs is uh, wear a big wig on your back to simulate uh, having a really hairy back. That's <laughs> their equivalent of blackface. <laughs> Wearing my Slav blackface merkin, yeah. You know. It's it's That's one right. of those uh, Rasta hats, but it's just it just starts at the bottom of your neck. 
What were yeah, you guys exactly. talking about again? And it's just a it's just a leather hat. Rockets or some bullshit. Whatever yeah, annoys Roz get continually off topic we're, because we're ruining the podcast. And why isn't it just Roz talking? Go back to do not eat. Nah. Let's listen, listen. We're even if we wanted to fire Alice, our corporate structure won't we allow can. us to. <laughs> we can. <laughs> You're stuck with me. Yeah. There's always two votes opposed at a minimum. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I always love when they're just like, oh, fire Alice, or even fire Liam, and I'm just like, uh, A, I know where Roz lives, B, no. Somebody uh, somebody said replace Alice with Joe Kasabian, which is a good idea, you should do that. No, no, yeah. Joe gets enough money from his podcast. We must yeah. keep the Albanians down. This is a pro-Turk <laughs> podcast now. <laughs> you say Albar- Albanians? Yeah. Isn't Joe Albanian? He's Armenian. No, he's, Albanian. Like, oh, Armenian. he's Armenian. Ooh, yeah. my bad. Uh, you oh, fucked up. You oh, fucked up. Oh, whatever. Right. Uh, yeah. I blame Albania is the country that Ukraine should be. I blame <laughs> Rutgers University, the state university of New Jersey, for all my problems. Every Balkan state mm. should switch. Ukraine yes. gets to <laughs> move like to fucking <laughs> Albania. Albania gets to move to Moldova. Balkanization uh, is where they trade names once every ba- decade. Bosnia and Herzegovina, just everyone from the north side of the country goes south, everyone from the south side goes north. <laughs> Sorry, Joe, you're yeah. Armenian. Uh, Scotland gets independence, but it becomes England. <laughs> everyone just shift to your right. There yeah. you go. Keep going. Wales Everybody has is to- moved to Azerbaijan. <laughs> you, you, all of you guys in in the Trash Future Studio in London, you have to move to Glasgow, and I get to move to London. You just have that big office all to yourself. Mm. Oh, nice. We are all now I married live, to Chris. I live in Holland Park. <laughs> look how fancy I am. My name is Alice. That's right. Oh, Holland Park is pretty fancy. That's I, I, the one. I, sadly, the one thing I know. Yeah, sadly, the Trash Future Studio is very much not in Holland Park. <laughs> <laughs> it will not surprise you to learn. Uh, okay, so we're here to talk about a missile today that exploded. Yeah, I see now, that. Isn't ordinarily, that the point? Ordinarily, it's a good thing when missiles explode. That means they're doing what they're supposed to do, right? Mm. Missiles this only is, do this when they're in extreme distress. This is <laughs> an example. This, yeah. this is an example of when a missile exploded when it shouldn't have. Um, oh, no. Today it's got all that going, stuff around it. Yeah, it's got all that stuff around it. Um, there were people there too, which is not good. Not anymore. Today, mm. Yeah. Today we're going mm. to talk about the Nedelin catastrophe. Yeah. Because of the way it's written, I was really hoping it was going to be pronounced like Nedeyin, like Medellin. <laughs> the Nedeyin cartel, yeah. Cartel, that's right. They make the missiles. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff them full of coke and just launch them over the US border. I would yeah. respect a space-born drug trafficking program oh, I was so thinking much. Oh, Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah, that would be cool. And of course, our friends from Cocaine Hamas. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like Rocket Mail, only the mail is drugs. Yes. Mm. Um, put your drugs in the vacuum tube. Mm-hmm. But before we talk about this exciting uh, disaster in the field of Soviet rocketry, we have to do the goddamn news. Oh boy. They really managed to yeah, really fuck, fuck up on the uh, Mexico City metro. Yeah. yeah. Will this kill 25 people or something? 26. 26. Numbers only oh, going six. up. Jesus, oh, what? That's a, 
that's awful. Doesn't doesn't look good. Yeah, it isn't. It is in fact not good. You can you can kind of you barely need us to explain what's happened yeah, here. One of those pillars, uh, no work no more, and so work. the this Golden Line Metro train uh, just sort of took a nosedive off the gap, crushed a guy's mm. car with him in it. So that's oh. the one on the twenty sixth. Um, yeah, not not great. And um, this mm. is this is kind of. Uh, this line, the Golden Line, which goes out to a suburb uh, of Mexico City, had been like plagued with problems ever since the earthquake in 2017. They had shut down mm. this exact section, uh, and they had like nominally repaired it. Finally, reopened it again, and this happens. Yeah, and mm. it's like it's the newest line on the system too, like Line 12. Mm. Yeah, they're yeah. going to extend it. Well, we're going to extend we're it after this. Extend. Well, they probably will still extend it. They'll just fix this section. <laughs> Yeah, but that's what they said yeah. last time. Um, also, yeah. like I would love it if this happened in Britain, and we would have to then insist that actually, when it does this, it's good, and we like it actually. <laughs> yeah, and we've renamed it to the to the Sir Captain Tom line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just someone's photoshopped a big crying laughing emoji onto the train. <laughs> you just continue Gosh. running trains over this section of track that's suspended yeah. in air. Tra- 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 trains <laughs> yeah. nose diving into the pavement in tribute to mm. key workers. Yeah, yes. 26 people left triggered by a <laughs> London Underground accident. Yeah. So uh, the, uh, the victims' families have already like protested at the site because they see it as like obvious negligence and obvious corruption in, in building the thing and then letting it fall down. We don't know for certain yet because there haven't really been any like reports or inquiries or anything, but it's not that difficult to believe, is it? I mean, corruption in a major public transport system in in Mexico City. My God. never happens. Never yeah. happens. Mm. Well, they're they're certainly getting their stuff built out a lot faster than you know we are doing here in uh, uh, the USA. That, that is true. Um, <laughs> this is this is a big problem for AMLO, Andres Manuel López Obrador, the uh, president of Mexico, because he ran on anti-corruption, and the two mayors of Mexico City, the the current one or the previous one. Uh, who fucked this up are both like his guys, his protégés, and this was their like pet project was we're going to rebuild and we're going to extend the golden line, and now it's just like you know killed a couple of dozen people. Um, so mm. obviously they're uh, making noises about doing like a, a full inquiry, but we don't know if that's going to actually happen yet. You're going to have to rebuild this entire fucking viaduct. That's going to be a pain in the ass. <laughs> oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Well, good news. There's plenty of money to be made in construction. Yeah. Mm. A Mexican government official described this as a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not. Un, un you're dolor en uh, el culo. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I like that the end of the notes on this slide say this is the worst rail disaster in Mexico since 1975. I mean, the interesting thing there is, of course, after 1975, there were no passenger trains in Mexico anymore. Yeah. <laughs> They, I think that was um, after, after like the 1990s, I guess it was, was when privatization really hit hard, and they're yeah. just like, ah, no passenger trains in Mexico. They, uh, they ran two trains into each other in 75, killed a bunch of people, and then shortly after that they were like, yep, no more trains. Yep. Mm. That's the solution. Yeah. It's kind of like a that's it, back to Winnipeg <laughs> approach to public transport. Like, nope, you can't have trains anymore, you fucked them up, it's gone now, no mm-hmm. more. Until you've proved that you can use your rapid transit system responsibly and not get killed by it, mm-hmm. you're gonna have to drive. Yeah. Right. 
Speaking of driving, mm. here's a big truck. Um, cool. Uh, so so mm. Wyoming has di- uh, discovered an innovative fa- way to save its coal industry. Is it retraining uh, mm. the coal people as like uh, podcasters? No, no. A new state law has created a $1.2 million fund to be used by, the Wyo- by Wyoming's governor to take legal action against other states that opt to power themselves with clean energy, such as solar and wind, in order to meet the needs, uh, in order to tackle the climate crisis, rather than burn Wyoming's coal. So, if you don't buy their coal, they're going to sue you. They're going to sue you and make you buy the coal. How the fuck does That's, that work? Yeah, I've been curious I, about this too. I've been very confused about this as well, but I'm excited to see it work. Um, I, I, yeah. I, I just, I, I like the idea that they sue like a, a solar power operator and make them take delivery of a 200 car unit train of coal every day <laughs> and just dumping it in a pile yeah. next to the solar panels. <laughs> <laughs> They're having to find lots of naughty children to give it to. Yeah, I work exactly. in an inverse coal mine in California. We just dig a perfect replica of the shaft in Wyoming and we put that shit back in. <laughs> now that that's, now that's, that's how you create jobs. That, really. that's, the, that's perpetual energy. Yeah, We've solved the, it. That's the Soviet solution, is, oh, I have to buy this coal because they have to export this coal, so we have to keep the number up, so I'm just going to bury this coal perfectly in reverse. It's, 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 it's carbon sequestration, but for fossil fuels you've dug up. <laughs> <laughs> now all we need is some guys uh, crushing gasoline back into fish. Yes. And we're, um, yeah. yeah, an extremely high-pressure reverse oil well. What it is, yeah, is exactly. it's industrialized weightlifting, you know? I pick things up and put them down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, mm. it's, it's like muscle confusion for the earth. Yeah, <laughs> mm. yeah I'm, I'm excited to see one of these lawsuits happen. I want to see what the outcome is. I think it'd be hilarious for just, you know, they might just force everyone to buy Wyoming coal constantly. Yeah. It would kind of suck to get sued by Wyoming. You'd want to get sued by a better state, I feel. <laughs> oh no, I'm being sued by like four guys. <laughs> yeah, four, four. Dicks, we're here to sue you. <laughs> yeah. Probably the wrong guy, but who cares? I spent a few months in California once and I once saw a car with a Wyoming plate and it just had like four numbers. And then because they just don't have enough cars in Wyoming, they filled up the rest of the plate with like a picture of a horse. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah, I got the fifth yeah. car in Wyoming. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's, what, right. that's the fun thing about like the Wyoming coal industries because all these mines opened in the 60s and 70s. You know, it's not like West Virginia. These things support basically no jobs and no population because everything's so automated. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like one guy to drive the truck and that's it. Yeah, yeah there's a guy who drives mm. the truck. Even that, so, some of these trucks, some of these trucks are automated now. Really? Um, yeah. yeah, they they put put down. They're not autonomous trucks. They're automated trucks. They use like radio frequency, uh, RFID stuff to steer. But yeah. So you're telling me this is a yeah. drone? Yeah, that could be. <laughs> that, that's that's basically a drone. Yeah, they're absolutely gigantic. Those yeah. fucking mining trucks. They're Every really time cool. I see one, I sort of dissociate. That's mm. cool when you see the the little guys uh, being hauled by eighteen wheelers. Oh, it makes me happy. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, buy Wyoming coal or they'll sue you. This is our advice. Yeah, you, you gotta do it. 
we ourselves are taking delivery of a unit train of their coal. Yes, exactly. Mm. The, the only thing is you can't, it's not even like it's, it's bituminous. It's, it's not, it's bad bituminous too. So you can't use it for home heating. Yeah. You have to buy our shitty product or we'll sue you to make you buy our shitty product. Anyway, so we're going to buy a coal mine in Shimokin, and we're going to start <laughs> yes, suing people are. if they I don't use see you there. Our <laughs> you have to subscribe to our Patreon, and <laughs> yes. when you do, we will send you a train full of coal. Yes. Yeah. It's it's by it's by Tuminous because you have to buy two of them. <laughs> or we'll sue you. Very good. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Now we have to. Uh, that that was that was the news. Oh. <laughs> that was abrupt. Oh, where'd you get this picture of my dick? <laughs> you should probably see a doctor. Yeah, I, for so many things. <laughs> I, I like the, like, five fire extinguishers on the front. Like, at some point, yeah. you're yeah. gonna run out, you're gonna comically run out of fire extinguishers after having mm. run back and forth four times. It's not gonna help! <laughs> Look, sometimes the pussy heats up, and, you know, you wanna be ready when it does. What are the two green ones for that the three red runs are not for? Oh, maybe they're like uh, carbon dioxide ones and the other ones are mm. like foam? I don't know. I guess The green ones sense. are the ones that create fire and the red ones put it <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, you don't want to use these ones unless you have to. Yeah, that's all right. Okay, so I thought before we start the episode proper, we'd ask a, a question, which is what is an ICBM? It's this thing here. It's Milo's motorized deck. Intercontinental yes, bowel movement. <laughs> I see bowel movement. It's just something Alice has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Uh, it's called right uh, the ISS. Ir irritable yeah. contra bowel syndrome. I don't know. Okay. So. It it's like an, Socrates. It's an intercontinental ballistic missile, right? Thank you, Socrates. And it's intercontinental because it goes between. It goes a long way, even between continents, and it's a ballistic yeah. missile because it follows yeah, it a ballistic. Also. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it follows a ballistic trajectory, right? It goes up and then it comes down, right? Now, why do you need an intercontinental ballistic missile? Show off, driving a parade, drive yeah, a bunch of them in a parade. The Soviets drive, mm. drive it in a parade. Well, let's say. Let's say um, you have a friend, right? And you want to deliver that Already friend. Already unrealistic. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you want to deliver that friend a present um, very quickly from a long way away. <laughs> okay. Mm. Sure. But because it's Friends Day, that friend is also trying to deliver you a present. And you want to get your present there more quickly. So it's a surprise. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Tell me, am I trying to deliver this present to like airburst above a major intersection <laughs> of the house? That that is one option for the the present. Now the present's also very heavy, right? Uh, and you have to get it a long way away very quickly because your friend lives a long way away. What you do mm. is you can put the present on top of an intercontinental ballistic missile, and you can fire it into the atmosphere. <laughs> And outside the atmosphere, in fact, into space, and it comes back down and lands somewhere in the vicinity of your friend's house. Totally right? irradiating your mm. friend in the process, but who gives a shit about well, that? I didn't yeah. say what kind of present it was. Yeah. And that's anything. why it's important that your yeah. friend lives far away, because you want to be outside the range of this present Yes, when he receives it. Uh, and there's some more like tactics here, like if you, maybe you want a second present capability. <laughs> 
you know, you want to <laughs> you want to have these uh <laughs> you want to have these uh uh ICBMs in various uh undisclosed locations or even on the move. I mean, we talked about the train launched ones uh in the last episode. You got to feel about talking about presents anymore. Yeah. No we are. Well, well, yeah, let's ta- let's just about- let's just shift metaphors yeah. here and say let's say you want to reveal your friend's gender. <laughs> oh, okay. I follow now. I don't. I don't. I, that's that's impolite. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> Outing my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that that's that Russian uh, politics right there. Just trolling people. <laughs> it's a turf ICBM. Mm. In many ways, Hiroshima was the biggest gender reveal ever undertaken. <laughs> yeah. It's a boy. Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was a little boy, and then it was a fat man. That's yeah. right. Yes. They grew up mm. so fast. Yes. We're going to get cancelled for that joke. Oh, yeah. So, anyway, that's why you have an ICBM. Now, Russia's first successful, or the Soviet Union's first successful ICBM was something called the R-16, right? Is, is that background supposed to be white? Yeah, it is. <laughs> So you just have like half of a ruler. Yeah, I I, I do. There's also the, the, supposed to be a a little man for scale right here. Oh, that, that's, mm. your, that's your little man. Yeah, that's uh, I, the here, radiation's fucked him up quite badly. Oh, here I've made him into mm. an amogus. Oh boy. Yeah. Okay. All right. So anyway, um, you know, so the R16. That's not the backwards R. Backwards R is ya. Yeah. This is mm. a regular R. So it's a P16. Uh, uh, yeah, it's P16, I guess. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and, and, and so this was uh, this is development of an earlier Soviet rocket, which is now used mostly for space launches. Um, the R7. The R16, it's a two-stage rocket, right? Everyone remembers Kerbal Space Program. You got one stage on the bottom. You got another stage on the top. And then I, I, I believe uh, from this up here, this is where the present is. Mm. Yeah. And the, the second stage, yeah, it's like, a delicious box of cupcake. That's yes. right. So, so your second stage, your bottom rocket, that just drops off and like, uh, as China did, or, mm-hmm. and as SpaceX did the week before, just gets dropped on some guy's head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all right. That's, that's someone you're not friends with. That's the funniest way to get killed by an ICBM, is struck by second stage. That's so embarrassing. Didn't the Chinese stage, like, come down in New Jersey or something? There were a couple of Chinese ones that came down in China, because mostly they launched them eastwards, uh, over the Pacific, and so, like, there there, there were some guys who just got their houses flattened by, like, rocket boosters. I was, like, like going to bed two nights ago, like, I, you know, I, I... I don't know if I'll wake up tomorrow. I might get Donnie Darkoed. You're not um, gonna might. get Donnie Darkoed. <laughs> Statistically <laughs> unlikely, but you were in the, the potential zone of this, and yeah. I wasn't. Neither me or Milo were. It topped no, out at like right. mi- the middle of Spain. Because Ab, uh, um, Alice, and I inhabit an undisclosed location. That's right. A bunker, mm. many, many furlongs <laughs> beneath the earth. <laughs> Definitely not in Glasgow. Yeah. No. And this uh, is we're how so we... far beneath the earth, you can't really give it a surface location. No, and that's why you can't give us presents or reveal mm, our genders. Right. Yes, correct. So uh, this guy had about eleven thousand kilometer range. You could deliver a three to six megaton nuclear weapon, right? 
or mm-hmm. any other thing that weighs about Three nine tons. Six. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What um, what does weigh about nine tons? How much does a Tesla weigh? Uh, nine tons. Van. My old yeah. van, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> we, we can ship you Liam's old van very quickly. Yeah, you... we've, sh- we've shipped you a, a long wheelbase Mercedes Sprinter. <laughs> um, for Friends Day. Yeah, I'm looking at buying a Sprinter right now. Actually, Ooh, I'm literally on the website. And nice. Take this away from me. Get you get a like a, a four minute warning that you're about to get a Mercedes Sprinter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoa, you're about to be forcibly made friends with Liam Anderson. <laughs> it pops up like a lift notification. <laughs> Your friend is Liam Anderson. <laughs> Mercedes Sprinter just crashes through the roof of your house. You're like, oh, they remembered. <laughs> so this uh, this uh, this missile was uh, approved for design in like 1956. It was designed by Mikhail Yangle, right? Who had mm. a big design bureau in Dnepropavlovsk. <laughs> oh boy, Dnepropavlovsk. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's Nailed the one. I think. The the, I did, the I, Russian degree really serving you well there, Justin. I was about his well, Russian it's, degree it's in Ukraine, so you know. Oh fuck! Uh, now I'm yeah. cancelled. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Liam was barely making fun of his dad. Well, at least we didn't call it the Ukraine. Yeah, I'm, would really be I'm, I'm just going to be like, it's going to be a picture of the ISS tweet on that Ukrainian website, and I'll be accused of assaulting the security of mankind. It's oh, not, that's it's, right, yeah. It's not the Ukraine, it's just a Ukraine. There's like 12 that's of them. Right. <laughs> you see, Ross, well, you say it's thoughts. in Ukraine, and I say for now. <laughs> <laughs> at the time of recording. At the time of recording. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would um, simply say Greater Armenia. Shut up. That's yes. right. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I would say Greater Albania. <laughs> uh, All right. So there's uh, there, there were some when this missile was deployed, there were some issues with it because it was eventually developed and deployed. Um, you know, it took a while to get these things ready. They weren't really in silos, they were in hangars stored sideways. Mm-hmm. So you had to take a big truck and truck them out to a launch pad. And then and then raise them up vertically. Um, they couldn't remain fueled for too long, for reasons we'll get into in a second. Um, uh, these were some of the missiles deployed during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Um, yeah, they had about twenty of these at the time. Yeah, uh, which of course they exaggerated. So they, you know, the the CIA thought they had a couple of hundred. They actually and... just had the same missile going back and <laughs> yeah. forth. Yeah, like we, we, we can deliver. We can deliver yeah. the Americans up to twenty Mercedes Sprinters. Yes. Yeah. There's a guy pushing those missiles through the hole from the other side. <laughs> uh, and it used oh two two kinds of propellants, right? Is this organic chemistry? Yeah, mm. we're back. Why do you do this to us? Because oh, this looks like gender reveal. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, it's ginger. <laughs> so the R sixteen missile uses two propellants, right? One of them is unsymmetrical dimethylhydrazine, right? Nailed it. That's yeah, the if you fuel. Say so. And the other one is red fuming nitric acid. Well, it's fuming. Mm. Yes. It's red. It's doing I, what it's that's more of an it, orange it, 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 to me, but mm. yeah, that 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 to me that fuel is saying, well, it was fucking one of you. Disgusting. <laughs> so 
unsymmetrical dimethylhydrazine that's H2NNCH32. So it's got, you know, it's got um, two H's, right? It's got an N. It's got an N. Catch that N are two CH3s, uh-huh. right? Yeah. So uh, that's a, it's a methyl, right? So dimethyl, because there's two methyls. And then there's a hydrazine, right? Uh, colorless liquid. It smells like fish. Um, oh. It's ex- it's no actually a, mm-hmm. it's a very stable chemical, and it can be stored inside rockets for a long time if you need to. And that's why it's good for ICBMs. But you know, it's uh, it's only it it it's fuel. It requires it requires an oxidizer because there's no air in space, right? Despite there's no air in space Smith- museum. Yeah, well, that's lies from the Smithsonian Institute. <laughs> Those sluts. Yes. Yeah. They also learned this about dogs. That there's no air in space. <laughs> yeah, we conducted oh, a very important yeah. experiment just to make sure. Oh, like, the one small uh, problem. Turns out dog does not like space very much. <laughs> <laughs> so... This is that's what the red fumic nitric acid is, right? It's a solution of 84% nitric acid, 13% of a chemical called dinitrogen tetroxide, and and then the rest is water, right? So um, you mix the fish the fish chemical with the iron brew, and as a consequence, <laughs> rocket go up, right? Yes, they are hypergolic, hypergolic, excuse me. If these two chemicals uh, touch each other, they immediately burst into flame. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what you want because you want to. That's like, what you uh, want. It's a rocket. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. Um, the problem is, red fuming nitric acid is extremely corrosive. Right, the stuff attacks basically anything. So they didn't store it on board the ICBMs. Right. Um, in order to deploy an R sixteen rocket, you had to, uh, you know, you brought it out to the launch pad, then you had to fuel up. Fuel it up with the, uh, um, you know, the red fuming nitric acid, and then it would be good to go. Right? It, so, you know, it took like three hours to launch one of these things from like cold, mm, um, which is but, not good know, if you need to launch presents in a hurry. Yes, exactly. Mm. I mean, you never know when Friends Day is coming. No, exactly. <laughs> and if there, are, if there are presents coming towards you, then yes, you might exactly. need to. Then, Reciprocate. Otherwise, you might have like you might be in a situation where you receive presents, but then your friend doesn't. Yeah, mm. exactly. Right, and the presents yeah, might have, be coming directly at you. Say mutually assured friendship. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> it's a mutual friendship. Yes. <laughs> really stretching this metaphor <laughs> to its absolute <laughs> limit. Here. We're gonna keep doing it. Mm. Um. But of course, you know. All right, the, we're back to my dick again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Marla's dick. <laughs> when you when you when you pass the milf check, this is what happens. Mm. What yeah, a, a huge team of men and trucks uh, erect my penis <laughs> using uh, guy, guy ropes. Unanswered, no babe. <laughs> <laughs> Why does it have an anchor? But, so you don't. You, uh, you see, because then it would become too erect and then fall. Mm. And then it has preopism, yeah. Alice. Yeah. You don't want I those see. problems. I'm see. not 19 anymore, Alice. That's basically. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the R16 has several improvements over the earlier uh, R7 rocket, which, you know, became the basis for the Russian space program, but was a pretty shitty ICBM. 
Um, you know, the propellants it used were more stable uh, and easier to store since, you know, your, your red fuming nitric acid and your, the other thing. Dimethyl Unsymmetrical dimethyl hydrazine. Yes. Okay. So okay. say unsymmetrical dimethyl hydrazine and uh, Dnepropavlovsk a bunch of times. No. In quick succession. Right, time to activate the listener. <laughs> <laughs> Must give friend Mercedes Sprinter. <laughs> um, one of the notable. Th okay, so these propellants, as as dangerous as they are, they're easier to store than what the R seven ran on, which was you know a bunch of cryogenic hydrogen and crap or whatever the hell it was. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's more compact. It's easier to control than the R seven. Um. So after development was approved in 1956, after about four years of development, it looked like the first test flight could occur by November 1960 or so, a whopping 10 months ahead of schedule, right? Mm. So, you know, this, this, uh, this, this uh, rocket was designed by Mikhail Yangle and his design collective. I'm not sure what that is. It's um, a, an, an OKB. It's a, it's a great mm. Soviet invention where you lock a bunch of nerds in a special nerd camp and mm -hmm. you make them work for you. It's uh, sometimes called a sharashka. Um, and it's mm. like, it, it basically you like have a bunch of semi-imprisoned intellectuals, some of them like former Nazis in the early days, and then just like mm. dissidents and stuff. And you just like say, okay, this, this OKB, because they're numbered, so OKB 1, OKB, you know, 722 or whatever, you guys make planes, you guys make rockets, you guys make toasters or whatever. Uh, so mm. he has his little staff of rocket guys. Ah, huh. I see. Okay, I, I like the idea. Design Collective makes it sound like some kind of hipster thing. You know, like they're going to be featured. <laughs> yeah, they have in like device. a Helvetica font. It's very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah, we went to we went to Chelyabinsk and met these guys who are uh, doing LSD and designing rockets. <laughs> <laughs> it's an experimental design bureau. Um, yeah, they're all wearing like huge wavy garments, like streetwear that's eight <laughs> sizes too big. <laughs> so, but the, the program itself was under control of another guy who was Marshal Mitrofan Nedelin, right? He's Chief Marshal mm. of Artillery of the Soviet Union. Yep. Slavs really do be out here being called Mitrofan. <laughs> yes. Hero of the Soviet Union. Uh, you can look him up, absolutely, if you've seen a Stalinist military portrait before, you know what this guy looks like. He looks <laughs> like every other Stalinist general. The hair kind of back to here, 18,000 medals directly on the center of the chest. Yes. Uh, and sort of personality mm. to match. He's a cool yes. guy. I'm trying to work out what the, what the deal is with uh, the name Mitrafan, because I've never heard that name before. Mitrofan. Is it some kind of like... It feels like it might be one of those fucked up um, Soviet ones where they like uh, they made up they made up loads of names that they used to give people that like aren't Russian names they they're, they're like weird like acronyms and compounds like you meet loads of people who are born in like the fifties who are called Marlian which is like a compound of Marx and Lenin um, <laughs> but it's not a Russian name at all. It's apparently it's like it's a churchy name. It's it's Greek. It's Metrophanes. Uh, oh, right. Okay. So it it is it's a, it's an obscure ass name, but it is a, it, mm. like it's it's not a. Thing. Oh, okay. There we go. Presumably, there there was a guy calling this guy Mitrofanushka, 
which I am told is the hypercharistic of it. Oh wow! Ooh, Mitrushka. Um, yeah. Uh, well, and I'm, I'm get, yeah, okay. So this is, but his father was called Ivan, so just like every other Russian man. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> Ivan was like, fuck this, fuck this, like basic yeah. name shit. I'm gonna go into the big book of baby names and and mm. fucking church Slavonic, and I'm gonna pick one that nobody has. Yeah, we're gonna go hardcore here. Mm-hmm. We're gonna go with we're gonna go off piece. Name our son something rogue. <laughs> just give him give him a, a, an American name. Something oh, it's like Steve. That. Yeah, it's Steve. <laughs> this is my, this Steve is my son, Brunk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just, just naming your kids like Sarah Palin did. Trig Nadalin. It's a Russian name, but you spell it in in English characters. Right? You know, like 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 when they replace an I with a Y in American names. Yeah. Yeah. I should I point out Haley with like six U's for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you want a sense of this guy's personality, what he did in the war was well, he became the chief marshal of artillery, which meant he spent his war firing field guns at the Nazis <laughs> for like four years until eventually like shelling Berlin. Um, yeah, he, this is the guy who's good at shelling Nazis. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, you don't get called Mitrofan for nothing. Uh, I also noticed that it lists his place of death as the Baikonur Cosmodrome, which I said foreshadows some things. <laughs> that going to happen. So he, he thinks, all right, so Nedelin thinks uh, he can give a great gift to Khrushchev by getting this rocket finished and tested by the anniversary of the Russian Revolution, November 7th, 1960, right? Sure. Now, keep in mind, keep in mind the whole time this project was 10 months ahead of schedule, right? There was no reason for any of this rush other than, yeah, let's get it done before the, uh, get it done before November 7th. <laughs> because he wants his second, his second hero of the Soviet Union is what he wants. My God, I mean, I think one hero of the Soviet Union is enough. I oh, would come not on, go man. for a Shoot second. for the stars, possibly, <laughs> literally, in this case. Yeah, you see, that, that's what a guy who only has zero hero of the Soviet <laughs> Union would say. <laughs> like, Brezhnev had, had four, and he gave himself three of them. <laughs> that's the that's hey, king man. shit. Ironically, yeah. yeah, it's called self care. Every time I feel a little bit down, yeah. I make myself hero of the Soviet Union. Again. Yeah. yeah, could you have king shit in the Soviet Union, or did you have to say like general secretary shit? General, general, shit. Yeah, yeah. Comrade yeah. shit, shock worker shit, Udarnik shit. Mm. So after a, a pretty panicked and rushed construction, Yangle delivered the first test vehicle, LD one three T to the test range, which would later become known as the Baikonur Cosmodrome, right? Which is in Kazakhstan. It's actually, mm. uh, uh, the, the Russians still launch rockets from Kazakhstan because they don't have their own launch pad. Mm. Um, no, yeah. no, when you're going to need to borrow someone else's rocket pad. C- c- closest, like- closest bit of the USSR to the equator, nice weather, nothing around yeah. to smash rockets into. It's perfect. Yes. Yeah. You like we'll to keep there. you like to keep that shit in as Kazakhstan in case it explodes. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they used to uh, they they named the the launch pad after a town three hundred kilometers to the north to confuse people. Uh, Makes sense. Baikonur, yeah, and it's, that's just a little tiny mining town. 
And then, uh, and then for a while after they built it, the people of that tiny mining town used this fact to get just anything they wanted delivered to them really promptly. (laughs) (laughs) I really appreciate that. Like the Soviet union's instinctive secrecy meant that you could just be like, yeah, I'm on, I'm on like a top secret mission and you're just like a miner. Yeah. You you use that to talk your way into getting like a nice watch, like a car or something. Oh yeah. Yeah, you took your way to get a Mercedes Sprinter delivered to your fucking <laughs> right. So in late uh, uh, October 21st, 1960 was when the missile reached the launch pad for the first time after being assembled. And after checks and tests, this missile was fueled on October 23rd, right? I should point um, out, when you say assembled, you mean like hurriedly assembled, like guys with wooden mm-hmm. hammers hitting stuff with stuff. Yes. Mm. Well, I think they had a proper assembly building of some kind, but mm. yeah. Yeah, that's a job. That's when you hit a big rocket with a big hammer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, now this was sort of the point of no return here, right? Due to the corrosive red-fuming nitric acid, um, if the rocket had to be defueled for some reason, it would have to be extensively refurbished before they could launch it, right? Yeah, because um, it's acid. It's just yes. eaten away at the inside of the thing. There is also mm. no procedure for defueling the rocket on the pad. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's terrific. Um, <laughs> now, Marshall Nettlin, for his to his credit, he decides I'm going to oversee this entire thing myself. Right? I'm going to be there. Hands-on management. Yeah. He's ha- he's doing mm. hands-on management. Yeah. Give um, me a hammer. Let me at the rocket. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. You don't get your second hero of the Soviet Union by watching somebody else fire a rocket. Yeah. Yeah. You have to go do it. I'm. I'm going to push the big red button myself. <laughs> mm, with this hammer. <laughs> so as a result, everyone who was working on this rocket was under a huge amount of pressure, since you know Marshall Nettlin had a, a rank which is, I guess, equivalent to in the United States we'd call it general of the army. I mean, he's like, mm. he's like the guy, he's like the main guy, right? Yeah. And I mean, like Russia, Russia's always had more marshals than, uh, than the US has, or, or Britain has even, but like, it's mm. right after the, after the Second World War, like, all of these guys who fought their way to fucking Berlin are still around, more or yes. less, uh, just mm. dripping with every medal they could give them. Like you don't say you don't say no to that guy. He's been, he's been right. from fucking Stalingrad to to fucking West Germany. Mm-hmm. So, but the problem was this missile was constantly having little glitches and technical failures on the launch pad. It's mm. you know they'd send people up to do real quick patches and fixes, and those all started stacking on top of each other, which meant no one knew what was going on anymore. Ever all the work took longer to do than it needed to. Some people working on this rocket were working for 72 hours straight, right? Oh, that's how you uh, mm. avoid mistakes, from what I've heard. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, I was just working on this rocket normally. And then I had this Nazi chocolate, <laughs> which enabled me to work for 72 hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the the Americans got all of the Nazi personnel, but the Soviet Union got all of the Nazi, <laughs> the Nazi chocolate. chocolate. <laughs> you can't have one without the other. meth chocolate to my dissident scientists. <laughs> uh, there were a lot of deviations from the safety protocol. Uh, 
And some of these deviations were astonishingly stupid and dumb. Mm. Hit me. Oh. All right. So here, here is an example. Uh, on this rocket, right, in order to allow it to stay fueled for longer, right, um, the propellant tanks were sealed from the pipes to the rocket engine by something called blowout discs, right? Uh-oh. And the blowout disc, the way it works is, you know, it's a disc, which is sort of perforated in the, in the tank, right? And uh, when the lock, rocket is ready to go, this disc is blown pyrotechnically with, with black powder out of the way. Right? Uh, a cool thing to have next to your incredibly volatile chemicals. This is not mm. the only pyrotechnic valve in the system. Okay. Right. So that 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 black powder charge blows it out, blows the disc out of the way. Then the rocket propellant can reach the engine. Right. It can't quite reach the engine because there's another valve, the main valve, which is also actuated pyrotechnically below that. Right. Okay. Um, Oh my god. mm -hmm. (laughs) This is because you only use the missile once. So they wanted to avoid having a real complicated system of electro-pneumatical valves. They just decided, why don't we just use, why don't we just use a little bit of black powder and no, some it's, pressure? It's a waste yeah. of money because if it yeah. gets to the point where you and your friend are exchanging presents, it's going to matter a great deal how much you spent on those presents because you're going to need to like, mm. uh, you know, you know, carry on afterwards with your finances. Yes. Yeah, you need a you need a bomb inside your bomb to start your bomb on its way to explode. <laughs> That's my understanding. Now, in this test vehicle, these um, blowout uh, discs were notoriously unreliable, right? So no, yeah. So Nedlin decided, uh, along with some of the other folks, all right, what we need to do is make sure these blowout discs work it right. So what we should do is we should manually blow them all before we launch the missile. Hell right? yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And this is while there were a hundred or more people on the launch pad, right? Nice. This is called being cool. Yeah. Yes. Now, Good idea the, machine, baby. The method by which they would determine whether the blowout discs were in fact blown out was to have a guy sit in the rocket next to the blowout disc and listen. <laughs> Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, dude's rock actually. What? Yeah. We have fuck you, rock. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with this. This is just this is Russians doing Russian shit. Like they deep down they just all want to die. Like it is it the void calls to them. It's the same thing that makes them go bungee jumping off their nine story apartment block on a Wednesday afternoon. It's the same thing that decides to like, oh, I'm just gonna check if the nuclear missile is working by listening for the detonator. <laughs> Yeah, just using a like a comical ear trumpet to put my ear to the missile. Exactly. We every every episode we do of this, we find one guy who has the worst job in the episode, and I think it's mm. this guy who has to sit yeah. inside yeah. the rocket like fucking gravity's rainbow. Yeah, I just imagine like comedy shit. Like, oh yeah, well the only way to tell if the launch sequence has been initiated is if you use the most sensitive part of your body, your anus, to feel <laughs> the tip of the top of the missile. Um, so what we're gonna do is gonna butter it up, and then we're gonna you're gonna sit up there, and then we're gonna hit the launch button. So the uh, 
you know, this is obviously not very safe um, because if there were like an unexpected leak in the the fuel supply, um, you know, it would uh, it would just poison the guy immediately, right? Hmm. Um, and they did not give the guy a gas mask for this situation because that would interfere with the hearing. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, dudes rock. Dudes rock. Yes. So they started this uh, procedure in the evening on the 23rd, um, and they started with the second stage blowout discs. And they hit the button, and no one heard anything. It's safe. It works. Someone someone saw some wisps of smoke from the lower stage, and they realized, oh, the buttons are mixed up. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Uh, I told you I labeled one for the second one and two for the first one. <laughs> it's perfectly straightforward. Oh, you shout again, mate. <laughs> Listen, it's a simple numerical system. One and A. Obviously, A comes first. All right, so they, you know, they called a meeting. They called a meeting with uh, Nedelin and a bunch of other guys who were in charge of the rocket here. Um, they're like, all right, what do we do? We got to, we got to do something here to, uh, to, uh, what's the word? Make sure that the, um, uh, the, the rocket is functioning correctly. Something's wrong with the electrics. What are we going to do? Um, and, and Nedelin's like, well, we'll fix the rocket while it's fueled up and sitting there on the launch pad. And everyone's like, everyone except for one guy is like, yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Lieutenant Colonel Titov. Uh, disagreed. He said, I want that rocket defueled and off my range. Um, but I guess Nedelin was able to overrule him despite the fact that he was notionally in charge of the ra- of the, uh, mm. the rocket uh, facility. <laughs> yeah, he just like yeah. beat him into submission with his grace and number of medals. Mm. Yes. Hey, was like, when was the last time you shelled Berlin? <laughs> <laughs> Same time you did. <laughs> I got. I gotta yeah. be honest, man. You're sounding really like a guy with who was like a no times hero of the Soviet <laughs> Union right now. <laughs> now go put your anus on that rocket. Clubs <laughs> <Yeah>. in <laughs> the kitchen. Good luck to you. <laughs> so the rocket was sitting on the launch pad, fueled up with the fuel in the pipes all the way to the engines, with only some pyrotechnic valves stopping the whole thing from just going off. Right. Um. Now, the decision was made to replace the main electrical controller and some of the pyrotechnic valves on the rocket while it was fueled up, and then commence the test flight. Um, and then, you know, to prove it was safe, Nedelin decided he was going to direct the operation from a lawn chair right next to the <laughs> rocket. God, oh, yeah, well, okay, right. cool. Put your money where your mouth is, I guess. Yeah. I, I, I should also point out, like, in terms of the proximity required here, this this required guys to go up on ladders against the rocket. Just, like, put a yes. ladder up against it and reinstall the valve. Oh, I yeah. love the Soviet version of Doctor Strangelove. It's very cool, actually. <laughs> So now, along with the 100 personnel necessary to work on this rocket, there were something like 150 more unnecessary personnel just hanging around, right? Uh, to, to take a look at the pretty missile, I guess. I don't know what they were there for. There's there nothing fucking more... in Baikonur. What are you going to do? Uh, that's a good point, yeah. <laughs> um, now, as the 23rd of October turned into the 24th, there were some more problems that started to assert themselves. 
um, wires started shorting from the pyrotechnic charges, right? The, uh, the, the program sequencers, which we'll get into in a second, they all got out of alignment for mysterious reasons. I, you know, I think it's really nice, and like I'm thinking here of Chernobyl as well, that every piece of Soviet technology responds to being tested beyond any sensible limits by a madman who is determined <laughs> to like meet some insane artificial target by like essentially telling you that you're taking the piss, right? It's like yes. sparks are coming off of it, big lights are coming on. Uh, like nothing 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 seems to just fail in the Soviet Union. All you have to do is stop. Yeah. All you have to do is stop and nothing bad will happen and yet they take it too far every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, <laughs> it seems like oh, we've what we've we've built all of our technology in a really portentous way. So if you're really gonna <laughs> fuck with it, it's just gonna it's gonna start making weird doom <laughs> noises. <laughs> Did anybody hear the rocket just go? <laughs> nah, it's fine. It's totally yeah, fine. It's fine. Mm. But yeah, the, the, this this was an unhappy missile. <laughs> but uh, Netherlands wanted the workers to press on. They had to fly before the anniversary of the revolution. Why, though? <laughs> <laughs> to commemorate the anniversary of the revolution. Weren't you listening? L listen, listen. Mm. You're te you're, they're ten months ahead of schedule, but they're also late. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Soviet way. Yes. And with the uh, blowout panels gone, there was no time to waste, right? They had about 48 hours before the nitric acid corroded its way through. Oop. Yeah. Little spoiler there. Spoiler there. Yeah, and I gotta find my place again. Right, they had about 48 hours before the nitric acid corroded its way through <laughs> the pipes and made the whole rocket unusable, right? At that point, they'd have to send it back and get all that, that entire system uh, refurbished, right? Uh, you know... Nedlin is like adding more and more pressure on the guys to get this rocket fired, right? Sure. Um, so this is this is a this is a inner this is a quote I have found from uh, a book called "Rockets and People: Creating a Rocket Industry" by Boris Chertok, who sort of indirectly worked on this missile. Mm. Um, like, Nedlin was saying things like, "The last one to launch this rocket is gay." <laughs> <laughs> It was still morning when the NII-4 chief, General A.I. Sokolov, approached the marshal <laughs> and dared to warn him about the danger of being on the launch pad in the immediate vicinity of the fueled missile. The marshal snapped back at him, If you are a coward, then leave! Fucking got his ass. Okay. <laughs> the offended Sokolov departed the airfield and flew to Moscow. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> if I were in that situation, I might be like, yeah, I am a coward. I am also leaving very quickly right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just dropping deuces on the way out. Yes, I am <laughs> gay. Uh, please, let me get on the plane. <laughs> so on the 24th, um, oh boy, uh -oh. So they had made a couple crucial oh, no. deviations from protocol, right? Um, one of the big ones was in order to, they, 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 one of the problems is in Kazakhstan, it's cold, right? And what doesn't work in cold? It's batteries. Um, so the uh, battery on the second stage. And also my dick. Yes. <laughs> So the battery on the second stage had been activated early in order to warm itself up. 
this was a weird, they had a sort of weird Rube Goldberg machine method of activating this battery on the second stage. Yeah, a guy uh, knocks a ball down a mm-hmm. down a slide, which knocks over a house of cards, which trips no. a mouse trap. The electrode of the battery is a liquid, right? Which is in a balloon. And the balloon is suspended right. over the rest of the battery. And um when the second stage battery needs to wake up, an air compressor comes on, it inflates the balloon, which inflates until it reaches a knife. <laughs> and the knife. <laughs> I love engineering, it's so cool. This, this knife... missile is not deadly enough, we just put a knife in there. We put a knife in it. Yeah, that's alright. The knife pops the balloon, and the electrode flows into the battery and starts it up. <laughs> This is some Russian space pen shit. You know that story? About how the no. Americans like invested uh, millions and millions in a pen that worked in space and the Russians used a pencil. The, the Russians simply mm. used a balloon full of mercury or something, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they used a, a balloon full of mercury and a knife. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, my, my, what I'm curious about is what is powering the air compressor. It seems to me they have a whole <laughs> other battery that's already working. <laughs> no, it's the like, guy yeah, in there cranking it by hand. Yeah, he's just blowing in that thing. <laughs> just opening the little door being like, Ivan, you need anything? No, leave me to yeah. my work, slams tidy door. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what runs the air compressor, that's a good point. Mm. There's Answers. probably like a whole diesel engine on there or something. <laughs> <laughs> So, all right. So they they had up they they had turned on the battery on the second stage, and uh, also in addition to turning on the battery, all the controls were connected to the battery. Right? Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to do that until like all the non-essential personnel are away from the launch pad. You know, this is sort of like the last thing you do before the last manual thing you do before you launch the thing. Right? Um. Another issue was, okay, so they didn't have computers on these missiles, right? But they still needed... No, it's 1960. Yeah, they need sophisticated Mm. methods of triggering various things in the rocket, though, right? To make it happen, right? Sure, a series of balloons and knives. Yes. So in order to make the series of balloons (laughs) and knives work, they had something called a programmed sequencer, right? And the program sequencer is a step motor, which can react to some kind of input, and a camshaft, which makes electrical contacts at prescribed points to make the missile do things, right? We're getting um, dangerously close to the diesel generator thing here. It's more of a player piano. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we've we've got a music box. When you open yes. this this port in the missile, a little ballerina pops out and it plays mm. like Claire de Lune. Yes. So, uh, in order to start the launch sequence, all these uh, program sequencers, the shafts, need to be uh, uh, at their zero point. But a lot of them have been turned forward inadvertently during testing um, for reasons I didn't fully understand when I read the, the Guy chapter. steps on them on the way up. Yeah. Guy hits them with a hammer. Mm-hmm. So anyway, at, at T minus 30 minutes to launch, about 6.45 p.m., October 23rd, 24th, excuse me, 1960, the rocket designer who's on the, on the scene, Mikhail Yangle, decided to go take a smoke break, right? Uh-oh. So he went mm. into the smoking bunker, 
which is off to the side. <laughs> yeah, in order to smoke yeah. safely, you have to be totally enclosed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. It's the reverse of usual. In case someone were trying to give you a present while you were smoking. <laughs> yes. So he and some of his colleagues were very supply- surprised by the flash that his lighter generated when, when, he, when, he turned, when he lit his cigarette. And then the sound hit. Boom. Right? Real big boom. Several booms, in fact. Because the upper stage of the rocket decided to turn itself on. Oh, boy. Yeah. It's still attached to the... It's still attached, yes. Um, that didn't last long because, of course, having a huge amount of rocket fuel fire is not good for the top of the lower stage. So uh, it exploded, right? And then the second stage exploded. This is while people are, like, crawling all over the rocket on, like, ladders and crap, right? Oh, fuck. So, you know, the propellants flying everywhere, there's rocket parts flying everywhere. There's hundreds of people on and around the rocket at the time of the explosion. Some of them were sort of, like, vaporized instantly. Some of them were burned alive. Some ran for the fences, and they made it to the fences. The fences were barbed wire, and they got tangled in it. And then they fell in a ditch, and then the low-hanging noxious gases sort of collected there and suffocated them. Um, it was pretty All bad. All this time there's a guy in a lawn chair going, these people try to extinguish themselves. They're homosexuals. <laughs> <laughs> Burn with pride. <laughs> yeah, Nedalyn himself was probably dead before he even knew something was wrong. Um, yeah, so as far as he's know, concerned, he did a great job. Everything went yeah, fine. Yeah, really yeah. great job, yeah. Everything's ahead mm. of schedule. What's the yes. problem? It did solve launch ahead of schedule. That's true. That is, yes. true. that is true. <laughs> that is true, yeah. Even more ahead of schedule than he was hoping. It, it reminds me, once again, of my favorite... the first stage. <laughs> <laughs> reminds me of Just my favorite Chernobyl joke, which is uh, the, the TV newsreader comes on and he says in a, in a sort of in a grave voice, uh, last night at approximately 7.20pm, uh, the Vladimir Ilyich Lenin nuclear power plant generated its quota for f- um, the five-year plan in 0.1 microseconds. <laughs> yeah, another issue is yeah, there's lots of non-essential personnel on a launch pad. Uh so you know, they all got murdered as well. Yeah, guy in launcher, guy up a ladder, guy hammering stuff with a wooden mallet. Yep. Well, guy just watching. Bunch of those old Italian men who stare at construction <laughs> workers. <laughs> Rocket Umarels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Any, he's not supposed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> It turned out that the program sequencer, which controlled the propellant system, right, the little player piano, had a flaw. Oh boy. Oh, go on. When it was reset to zero, the cam passed through the phase that made the rocket turn on. That shouldn't Uh. have been a problem. Because sh- it shouldn't have been fueled and the battery right. shouldn't have been on, yeah. except for this guy just decided, oh, no, we'll do that. Fuck it. This yeah. Is, exactly. This is the most, like, this is the disaster we can trace most to one guy since we did the Costa Concordia. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, the battery was connected, the blowout panels were manually blown, the second stage was like, alright, time to go. I'm excited. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, 
yeah, the whole the rocket just. <laughs> I mean, just systematically removing every single safety feature so that you can get the thing done faster, and then parking yourself in a lawn chair next to it yes. is such a strong energy. <laughs> Dude's <Yeah>. rock. <laughs> yeah. Suicide by engineering. Yeah. <laughs> well. So, yeah, they uh, killed like 120 people, I think. Possibly more. I mean, never gonna know, because everybody's fucking mm. chunky marinara at that point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> chunky marinara. <laughs> yeah. Should yeah, love the favorite that. baseball players of the 30s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, chunky well, marinara has, has rigged the World Series once well, again. He's, he's Russian, so it's like borscht. Mm. <laughs> now, so we what we have here is a picture of the launch pad, which of course was totally destroyed and never rebuilt. Um, they, the, the bunkers are all still there. Uh, they look like like clay ovens now because it's got baked. Oh boy! Uh, all they found of Nedlin was uh, they found his Hero of the Soviet Union medal because that was gold. So they found that melted mm. into the fucking launch pad. Oh. Uh, uh, they found one of his shoulder boards, and they found his watch, um, huh. which is more of him than you'd expect, really. Yeah, I was about it goes to, say. to show that Soviet watches were well made. Yeah, absolutely. You, you got to buy mm. like a Vostok or something if you want it to. If you <laughs> mm. want to get blown up, then <laughs> buy buy a Vostok. Doesn't keep. They did time. the guys in the smoking bunker survive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The guys in the smoking bunker all survived. Yeah. Because they were, mm. you know, they were in the in the bunker where, where Netherlands should show have been. That smoking is good for your health. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, of course, the Soviet authorities covered the whole thing up. Um, all of these guys died in plane crashes. Officially, that's a lot of plane crashes. <laughs> yeah. Every single one of these guys was on a different secret mission in the interests of the state, and all died in plane crashes. Um, mm. I buy it now. Khrushchev yeah. was, of course, very, very angry about this. Um, so he flew down to Baikonur, and um, one of the things that I found was that he he shouted at Yangle, the guy who uh, had designed the rocket and who had gone out for a smoke, like, "Why are you still alive?" And and he okay, yelled at enough. he yelled yeah. at the guy so hard that Yangle had a fucking heart attack. <laughs> he was off work for months. Um, before this, he was like trying to replace Sergei Korolev as the um, like the scientific lead for the manned space program, and not anymore. Um, also, another another fun consequence of this: since this made the Soviet Union, the Soviet military decide that multi-stage ICBMs weren't reliable, somebody had the bright idea: what if? If we need to deliver presents in a hurry, we put a bunch of single-stage, shorter-range missiles in Cuba. Ah, smart idea. Yeah. So this this very nearly became like the one disaster, the one guy that like ended all life on Earth because it precipitated the Cuban Missile Crisis. Um, mm. People also think that it stopped the Soviets getting to the moon, but they're confusing it with a, a different set of explosions which took out the Russian competitors of the Saturn V. But like, there is a broader point here that I want to pull out, which is that the Soviets were never really able to reconcile the civilian and the military aspects of their space program. 
like the US did that poorly enough, right? Like the Air Force was still launching stuff from Vandenberg, and he had a bunch of like secret shuttle missions and stuff. But like here, like in the Soviet Union, everything was controlled by the military in terms of space flight. And so they had absolutely no interest in stuff that you couldn't use as an ICBM. And so they kept working on this rather than stuff that would have been more useful for going to the moon. Hmm. That that N one rocket uh, video, uh, their their Saturn V equivalent, is always entertaining to watch because it literally looks like uh, they accidentally put the rocket in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what 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 can yeah. we learn, if anything, from this? What does this say about Russia and the Russian character and the Russian soul? Well, first of all, that they'd be going for a cigarette, and that's they're right too. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's a good idea. If, they, if these Is were it, Americans, yeah. they would have been like chewing tobacco, and they would have all died. Hey, yeah, point. exactly. Hey, hey. <laughs> none of that. They would have lived because they are tough as nails. Is what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Russians would take this as a vindication of their entire lifestyle. Like, yeah, if I was there, I would also not stand next to the rocket that was built in Russia. I would go and have a cigarette <laughs> several uh, several hundred meters away. <laughs> Yeah. Start smoking, kids. It's good for you. This is right. the moral of the story. Take a smoke break. <laughs> hey, no thanks, exactly. buddy. I'm union. And just yeah. like smoking and the thing goes up. Right. Uh, Soviet rocket builder union. <laughs> that is right. If only, if only they had unionized, we could have avoided this. I was about to say, I, I mean, if you're, if you, if you want to, um, you know, get away from like, uh, you know, an oppressive state like this, you know, you want better working conditions. I, I, maybe, I think they maybe should have tried communism. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you ever criticize the Soviets? <laughs> oh, I, know, I know everybody was waiting for that drop. Yes. I was saving it. <laughs> that is right. All right. We'll do a segment on this podcast called Safety Third. After it too, Alice. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Oh, oh, spicy. Hello there, WTYP gang. Hi. A- Hello. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I assume I, they can hear us. I'm an electrician hmm. with a safety horror story, and also why you should always take your PPE seriously. Uh-oh. This isn't the usual type of story you would usually tell for a safety third, but the body horror factor later gives me hope it will make it on the show. Now, that, that's, that's positive already. Yes. I was working on a six-story hospital that was really behind schedule. We had been mm. working well, 84... should have got some Soviet guys on that. That's right. I was right. about to say, yeah, mm. they, could have, they could have got it done ten months early and then it's it would simple. blow up. We fill <laughs> hospital with rocket fuel. It becomes mm. very hypergolic. Mm, yeah, that's right. Yeah, all the doors are uh, pyro- <laughs> pyrometrically triggered for some reason. Yeah, I, I touch off this black powder charge to enter every fucking door in the hospital. That's right, yeah. Breaching and clearing into the ward. Yeah, welcome, welcome to fucking pediatrics. Mm, that's right. We had been working 84-hour weeks, uh, seven 12-hour uh, days, for about mm-hmm. two months. We were working on the third floor uh, on all the ICUs and CCUs, right? So, What's like, a CCU? 
I don't Critical know. Critical care it. unit, I think. Okay. Mm. It's like the, th the thing down from an intensive care unit. Got it. The floor of the building was almost done, and we were installing the can trims into the pre-installed fixtures. That, that's uh, these guys. This inverted solo cup. Um, this little this little hat. Yeah, it's with a, a metronome hand. on it. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, there were about eight of us working in the floor, and some of us were standing in a circle fucking off, you know, as you do when you mm -hmm. haven't had a day off in two months of 12-hour days. When one of our coworkers, a six-foot-five-inch tattoo-covered ex-convict, ex-convict, fresh out of prison, hobbles out of the room he was holding, uh, hobbles out of the room he was working in, holding his hand over his eye. He stares us down with his uncovered eye for a couple seconds and simply says, I have an emergency. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Mm. Now I have to yeah, ask, what, what is a lighting can trim? It is a cone-shaped light fixture made to go into a cylindrical can pre-installed in the ceiling. It's the you thing the light, the light goes into, right? Yes. Okay. Usually these trims are held in place by two stiff springs with a five, with five inch rods sticking out on both ends of the spring. These will fit two corresponding hooks in the pre-installed fixture, and with a simple push, the trim will usually suck its way up into the hole. Yeah, I've been there. Just like my yeah, dick. That's right. Yes. Just like after having two trucks to erect it, yes. To erect my dick and then I like force it into a piece of drywall and the springs come out and it installs there. Yes. Yeah. And and then I can't move. <laughs> yeah, it's got kind of locked into the ceiling by my fucking mm. dick. Well that's what I'm into, so the joke's on you. <laughs> it's called kink. That's right. Anyway, not on this job. The fuckhead drywallers cut the holes too small. So getting these cans in was the a double fuckhead bitch. Fuckhead drywallers makes me pretty happy. <laughs> yeah, that's not a band. Fuckhead drywallers. <laughs> when you want to install one of these trims, you need to hold the springs closed tightly in your fingers and look into the hole to see the hooks and match them up. As previously mentioned, these holes were cut too small, so the hooks were damn near impossible to see. So our friend here decided, "Fuck this shit! I can't see these damn hooks." and took his hard hat and safety glasses off to see the hooks better. Oop. Ah. As Not he was, liking where this is going. Put your eye as close to the spring as possible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> see, see that sharp object? That sharp protruding object? What you should do is you should put your eye right next to it. <laughs> That's what we mean when we say eyeball something, is put your physical eyeball onto on it. it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, sometimes it's an ICBM, sometimes it's a light fixture. That's right. <laughs> These are both equally dangerous. <laughs> mm. Use your anus to feel the hole. <laughs> oh boy, it has nubbly ridges. <laughs> I'm gonna get hero of the electricians union. Yeah, that's right. As he was sticking the trim into the ceiling, uh, one of the hooks caught on the edge of the hole and shot straight through his cornea and into his pupil. How does that happen? Explain to me how mm. that happens. Diagram I, that shit. I'm gonna be honest. I've been a little bit confused reading this one because I, I don't I don't understand the mechanics behind this. I need mm. maybe maybe I need because I, I I don't know. 
Gonna need some pictures here, dude. Yeah, I'm oh, not good. gonna need to see those. I'm, 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 I have to say. I'm also yeah. good. Yeah. I'm gonna take this guy's word for it. <laughs> say it. Turns out the clear fluid rolling down his cheek, his cheek wasn't tears. It was his viscous humor. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Half of us almost <laughs> vomited when we saw his saggy eyeballs. I'm pretty eyeball. close. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> uh... He had to be medevaced to Little Rock, as was the only place that had an, an optometrist capable of this kind of surgery. The what a got, hell of a way to go. The man. dude got to keep his eye and even still has two thirds use of it. How the fuck do you have two thirds use of an eye? I have do you no get like, like every second month and weekends? <laughs> this is the world's just... worst custody battle. You're going to drop off my eye with my ex wife. I have to drop That's it right. off with the hook. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't all bad, though, as this guy is now a fucking six foot five inch tattoo covered ex convict, fresh out of prison with an eye patch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I fuck with it. Yeah. And he's now the health and safety guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if if you do not wear your safety glasses, there is a risk that you will become extremely cool. Yes. Mm. You become like that Republican guy. Dan Crenshaw, bud. Dan Crenshaw. Yeah, that's but Dan the one. Crenshaw lost an eye by like trying to suck his own dick on top of an IED or whatever. Whereas yeah, this guy mm. lost his working. I was about to say, yeah, yeah this guy's a worker. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird that that's how you have to diffuse an IED, but how? Sorry, Dave. <laughs> Joe. And Francis. A dick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah all of our veteran friends are going to be very, very annoyed yeah. by us owning Dan Crenshaw. Mm, they love him. Love that guy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. that's what that's what Joe DMs me in the middle of the night <laughs> to tell me how much he loves Dan Crenshaw. Yeah, see, this I is love Dan you... Crenshaw in particular and, also, and the Navy SEALs also in general. Armenia is actually Albania. Shut the mm. fuck up. This, this, is, this, is, this, is why, this is why you can't replace me with Joe Kasabian, is because he loves Dan Crenshaw too much, famously. That true. is true. I, I yes. know that to be true. Like I said, he DMs me once a week. <laughs> <laughs> if he had kept his hard hat on, the brim would have caught the hook and his safety glasses would have done obvious things. And you can always wear them. Uh, like a disgruntled librarian looking for the people talking too loud if you can't see well, right? What, you just push them down your down your nose? Yes. Oh, okay. The Doesn't real... that defeat the purpose? Uh, yes. Mm. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> this is also bad safety right. advice in yeah. this safety <laughs> advice. I don't know. Actually, that probably would have still helped this guy because if they were down the bridge of his nose, they would have just poked back up by the. Uh, by I the guess so. Thing. Yeah, yeah. The real moral of the story is: don't work your fucking guys eighty-four hours a week and expect not expect accidents to happen. During the crunch time, we had two shocks, one resulting in half a drop ceiling being torn down, and an EKG ran. The other guy had to be kicked off a ten foot ladder. The other guy was kicked off a ten foot ladder, breaking his arm on impact. Now he can't raise his hands above his head. Long That's hours tough. have a human cost, and buildings aren't worth it. Hell yeah, <laughs> yeah, that yeah, is true. Absolutely right. Yeah, fill them all with rocket fuel. <laughs> yeah. P.S. Five months after this hospital opened, a tornado came through town, and the first thing that popped into my mind was. 
I swear to fucking God, if I have to go back to Jonesboro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it launched every single one of those cups out of the fucking uh, ceiling. That's the only damage it did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hundreds and hundreds of eye surgeries urgently needed. These things yeah. like eye-seeking missiles. I have to build an eye hospital yeah. next to it. Yeah. Did you just Hopefully say eye-seeking missile? <laughs> they use a different kind of uh, lighting fixture that'll, like, I don't know, fuck up people's ears or something. Hmm. That'd be cool. Well, safety third. Yes. Shake hands with danger. See, I got uh, it on both ends that time. I'm Very so nice. proud of you. No Thank one said you. you. No one said you weren't going to. No, or, I don't know. Somebody in, the, somebody in the comments probably will, and then there'll be like 500 replies. Excellent. Let's get that One guy engagement. pissing and shitting his pants mm. over Alice. No, it's two guys. Oh, two guys pissing, pissing and shitting their pants. pants over Alice. So our next episode is on the Tacoma Narrows Bridge disaster. That's right, Milo. Thank you so much for yeah, joining us. Yeah, you nice have some stuff here. to yeah. you have some stuff to plug, right? You have a show coming out. Yes. I do, yeah. Uh, there's, uh, yeah, I have a show on the 30th of this month, May, in London at Vauxhall Comedy Club. So if you're in London, you can come to it. But if you're not in London, you can watch it online, for which Ooh. there are also tickets. This is apparently possible now. You can watch things live on the internet. Um, so there, if you go, if you go on my Twitter, there'll be like a link to that. Um, also, I have a podcast called Masters of Our Domain, where we allegedly talk about Seinfeld, but not very much. Yeah, I've, uh, I've been on it been before. On it's it's, it's yeah. a great time, yeah. Yeah, Alice is coming back on this month. That's right. Oh, boy. Yeah, that is right. Um, so, At some point, uh, yeah, you should dude. probably have like these two guys on, otherwise it's going to seem like favoritism. Yeah, it's fine. Oh, yeah. We'll just go fuck yeah, ourselves. Yeah, you guys should come on. Don't talk about Seinfeld. I was thinking, we're gonna are, are we gonna get through this whole episode without Liam doing self-internalized anti-Semitism? Nope. No. Nope. Well, Phoebe <laughs> likes to do that on Masters of Our Domain too, because recently she was there was one particular episode we were doing where she really wanted a jewish guest and we booked a guest who turned out to be great but the whole time phoebe in advance was trying to work out whether he was jewish or not that is a seinfeld episode <laughs> that is the plot of an episode of seinfeld is <laughs> elaine will fucking like it would invite somebody onto a podcast if they had podcasts <laughs> and then be trying to like feel out whether or not he was jewish now, liam yeah. is 100 jewish and therefore you can be Hundred percent certain. Sorry. Mm, yeah. There you go. It's Liam, baby. <laughs> yeah. I'm just sat in a lawn chair right next to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just up at the top of the podcast. Uh, I'm just this checking guy, for you the, know? the pyrotechnic yeah. uh, charges. Pyrotechnically actuated podcast. Yes. Exactly. Um, does anyone else have commercials before we go? Kill James Bond podcast. Listen yes. to it. Patreon. Also, give me more of your money. I need it. We should probably also mm. tra uh, Trash Future. Trash Future is another podcast. Oh yeah, we we, to both it. Milo and I are on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> trash Future. Check you may out. be aware of it. Check that out. Yes, mm. please do. We have uh, a bonus episode coming out when Roz writes it about the cathedral. Yeah, oh, cathedrals. Yeah. Yes, we should. Yeah. Okay. Yes, mm. I'm good. I'm gonna, gonna do that after we finish this, which I think Excellent. we're, we're finished. 
Yeah, we're, we're done. We're bye, done. everybody. Bye, Fuck everybody. off. All right. Yeah, bye. Oh, don't Fuck quit. Off. Edit that out. No, <laughs> no threats of self-harm come from this podcast. No, we're wholesome. Mm. No, yes. open up a lawn chair and sit next to a fueling rocket is the yes. most we can say. And put it up your no ass. No self-harm. Actionable threats <laughs> of violence to others. <laughs> Definitely put it up your ass, though. Wait. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Is, yes. Obviously. Mm. Right, Make well, sure you get an ICBM with a flared base, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Get in trouble that way. Okay, Ribbed I think, ICBM. I think we're done. Mm. All right. Bye, everybody. Yeah. Bye. Bye. All right.